Welcome to Marin Costello Radio, where we have intentional conversations with impactful people. Your weekly dose of motivation, inspiration, and entrepreneurship. Join me as we explore the ins and outs of building and running a business, interview leaders across all industries, and find the common denominator beneath it all. Welcome to Marin Costello Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, do we have such a special guest on the show today? But first, I must debrief everyone and let you know that this wonderful episode is sponsored by my allergies. So you are getting a more congested version of myself today, but I digress. Lindsay Jane Ducros is a French American dancer working in Los Angeles. Originally born in Paris, France, Lindsay spent her early years in both Los Angeles and Oakland, California. At 17, she auditioned for and was accepted into UCLA's prestigious World's Art, World Arts and Cultures Dance and Choreography program. Ooh, say, say that 10 times fast. There, she honed in on her choreography skills and trained in modalities such as postmodern and release, hip hop, dance composition, and dance for the camera. She caught the eye of an agent her sophomore year, began dancing professionally, and graduated cum laude. Mazel, my friend. Since then, Lindsay has shared the stage with artists such as Chris Brown, Justin Timberlake, Cardi B, Meg The Stallion, P. Diddy, Alicia Keys, Justin Bieber, Silk Sonic, Gwen Stefani, Pharrell, Lil Nas X, Ty Dolla Sign, and Janelle Monet, just to name a few. She's worked on top commercials for the Oscars, Cheetos, LG, Facebook, Ford Mustang, Dell, Vitamin Water, and Heineken, in addition to countless TV shows like Grownish, Blackish, the Voice, Fresh of Fresh Off the Boat, 90210, Glee, America's Got Talent, and so many more. Wow. Lindsay is also an active instructor at all major Los Angeles dance studios and travels both domestically and internationally, teaching dance workshops. Her goal is to continue dancing, teaching, educating dancers on their rights, choreographing, and touring all while honing her skills as a visual artist, content creator, and movement coach. Holy freaking moly, it is such a pleasure to introduce to you my dear friend who I've known since high school, Lindsay Ducos. What's up, girl? It sounds so pretentious when I hear it out loud. It made me like my shoulders hiked up in my neck. What's up, girl? It's not pretentious. It's impressive. You are such a cool human. Like Thanks, I knew girl. you were cool, but I feel like, you know, you go to high school and you meet your friends and then everyone goes and does their own thing in the real world. And then you interview them on your podcast and you're like, wow, look at all these things that you've done since we've last crossed paths. This is so Which cool. is pretty crazy. Cause that was a long time ago. I was right? thinking about it. Talk, yeah. Just, I mean, what the last time we actually had before UCLA were in school together was what? 2003, four. Yeah. Two decades, a couple decades. Yeah. It's been wild. So I remember the first time that I saw you slash met you in dance class. It was dance class. Lindsay was a senior and I was a freshman and you were selected to, I think, do like an on the spot choreography number from our instructor, Miss Green. And you ended up doing this turn. And I was like, how is this woman ice skating, but not ice skating? She's in socks on the gym floor. And you did this like twirly move and I was like this woman is like unbelievable and I, it make actually makes me so so satisfied to know that you're actually a choreographer and I was just like a girl that grew up dancing because I was like there's no way I can do that because you're just next level 
You are next Aww, level. That's so sweet. I appreciate that. It's a, a trip thinking about that time too, because I was not technically trained like that. I mean, tech, I guess technically I had technical training because I ice skated, but I just remember Miss Green being like, do those turns you do. And I was like, all right. And so it was just me doing whatever I would do on the ice on the floor in my gym socks in the middle of what we were like liturgy or something like liturgy performances. Oh, I'm sure. Giving my all just strong and wrong and just out there doing whatever I could try to throw out of my body. It was an interesting time, but that's what made me want to go to UCLA. I thought, okay, well, if I can do this here, I can try to audition and see if I can, you know, propel it forward. And then it kind of just catapulted into this, whatever this world is now. So it's kind of a trip. That's amazing. And we just, before the show started, realized that we were on campus together at UCLA as well for a year. Yeah, I don't think we actually saw each other, but we ended up going to high school together and then following each other, or I followed you rather to UCLA. And then we were both in LA for many years together. And I actually saw you randomly at Bluestone Cafe That's on La Brea like. Avenue. And I was like, yeah. wait a minute, Lindsay, what is happening? And I then think you just... caught me coming out of a casting. Correct. I was walking to my car and I was like, wait a second. It was so it was on La Brea, wasn't it? Yes. Go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember. I remember coming out of a casting and I felt so like frazzled. And I saw your face and felt instantly relaxed. It's like God. it's like blast from the past it was so crazy so crazy and that was pre-pandemic and then we've just stayed in touch and I was like I have to have you on the show you are such a cool human so I want to get to know the Lindsay before I met you tell me about little Lindsay what was little Lindsay like um little Lindsay was born in Europe I was born in France <clears throat> and I moved to the states super young um I moved to Los Angeles first and wound up moving to the Bay after. But I feel like uh, I was not a good dancer. I was actually pretty terrible. I was very offbeat. I hated ballet class. My mom tells me like really funny stories about me being in the corner, like not into it at all. So little Lindsay was actually more into sports. I loved running track. I liked basketball. I figure skated obviously for a long time. Um, And I was actually really into art. Like I never took any classes, but I used to draw all the time. Um, and I feel like I probably have always been somewhere. Oh, don't mind the cat. Um, <laughs> I've always been somewhere between sports and, and art. Kind of just been my jam, sort of. And then dance only really happened as a default because when I got to high school, you had to pick an elective. And I was either going to pick art or dance. And I wanted picking dance um, just because it felt like the trendier kind of cooler thing to do at the time I kind of like the people in the class I appreciated the idea of like performing at rallies and things like that and um and so yeah that was kind of little Lindsay's journey I was bilingual I went to a French American school for a long time until I went to St. Mary's that was my first the first school I went to that wasn't um a French American school and um yeah that's that's about it that is wild. So your first introduction to dance was when, like only a couple years before I met you mm-hmm. in high school. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people assume, you know, the dance now has produced crazy super scion. Like I can't even find the right words to describe like how crazy talented and young a lot of these dancers are, but it's because they have things like conventions and training programs that are 
out of this world. Whereas for us, I mean, I joined Destiny Art Center with, at the same time as being in the uh, St. Mary's Dance Ensemble in high school. And it was a youth violence prevention center in the middle of West Oakland, you know? And it was not, yes, it was serious in that everybody there was super talented. People were trained and had had great dance careers, but the premise was a little different. It wasn't necessarily like conservatory based. It was very much so like, let's keep kids busy and out of trouble. And here's something that we can use to keep them off the street or keep them out of fights or just keep them in a creative space, even if they weren't necessarily like headed down that path. So yeah, my introduction to dance was not formal. I didn't feel um, structured or rooted in something that felt like um, I had an end goal. I think at the time I just was kind of coasting along and I think I was a little heartbroken because I had decided to quit skating and that felt that felt very serious that felt like I thought I was going to be the next Michelle Kwan in my mind so you know (laughs) to go from like that and then I got to high school where I was like not having to wake up at 5 30 in the morning anymore so being able to which to some kids sleeping in is not waking up at seven but for me that was waking up at seven so I got to sleep an extra couple hours I could hang out after school there were boys you know it was like a whole a whole new world so um I think I was healing off the fact that I had decided that I wasn't going to skate anymore and dance just felt fun it just felt like something um I wasn't putting so much pressure on myself to make happen it just kind of kept being this random surprise and then when it came down to applying for colleges, it wasn't so much that I thought, okay, now I've decided to be a professional dancer. I'm chasing my dreams. It just felt very much so like, we could try this, see how it goes. This program looks interesting. I think what was dope about UCLA was the fact that it was a very unconventional program. It didn't feel, um, again, like something super, super structured that was going to make me feel suffocated. You know, it still felt like I could be myself and explore. And it was um, layered and intertwined with um, a lot of like anthropology and um, great writing courses and, and art history. So I felt like at the same time, I was getting a degree in a very worldly perspective outside of just movement, you know. So yeah, I dance was kind of a surprise. And I feel guilty saying that sometimes, but um, but I guess it's kind of a blessing because it took a lot of the pressure off in the beginning. That's so amazing. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the one and only Lindsay Jane Ducos, French American dancer and choreographer. Um, I'm curious, Lindsay, do you feel that because dance is something that you essentially fell into, something that kind of found you? Does that, does that inspire your movement in that because you aren't, you didn't have necessarily a structured dance upbringing? I wonder if your movements give you more fluidity or that you have more creativity in how your body moves. As much as I would like to say yes, because that's such an enlightened perspective. And I think I actually am going to say that I might be returning to that now in a sense of um, over the pandemic, I really wanted to rediscover myself through dance, meaning um, I wanted to find a way to figure out what it was specifically that made me very happy now. Um, 
but I think moving past college and deciding to take it to a professional place, um, I didn't actually feel like my past necessarily informed much of where I was at the time because um, I felt very much so like a chameleon. So whatever somebody gave me, I just decided to adapt to that. So if I joined one type of job and there was a specific style there, I just decided, okay, I'm going to mold myself to cater to this perspective or this style of movement. And then if I switched over to something else, you have, you know, people think that hip hop or funk styles in particular are all the same, but there's so many subgenres within one genre. And so you're constantly having to adapt to what people give you, which is probably like, if I had to say my, my superhero power as a dancer would be that. Whereas other people are so much themselves that people book them just to be themselves. And at that time for my generation of dancers, that wasn't necessarily something that was, it's not that it was discouraged, but it was a lot easier to work more if you were able to kind of adjust to whatever was given to you. Whereas now dance has evolved so much and changed so much, especially through social media and through, um, you know, through the lens of being an influencer that over the pandemic, I really had to take a look at myself as an individual, obviously outside of booking commercials, because when you book a commercial, you know, they're booking you for specialty or something like that. But um, even past choreography, like wanting to create my own steps, I think, um, I looked up and I was like, wow, okay, I really need to get in touch with myself. And so in thinking about that, then I had to go back to the past. Then I had to think about like, okay, well, what kind of makes me special? What's something that's really interesting to me? What, if, if I don't possess something specifically, what would I like to train in? You know, it was almost like starting over a little bit. <clears throat> and I think that is, has what, is what has allowed me to sort of tap back into my old self. Um, Cause for a long time, I think I was like trying to move away from figure skating and, and even UCLA, like you graduate college, I don't know if you had this experience graduating, but something about when you leave college, for me personally, I just didn't want to think anymore. I just, I needed a break from thinking. I felt like there was so much pressure to be, um, politically correct in our department that I just wanted someone to tell me what to do. I just wanted to just not think for a little bit. And then I looked up and I was like, okay, I'm ready to think now. <laughs> I'm ready to have a perspective. I don't necessarily like where culture is going and maybe I want to participate in shaping it. Maybe I want to participate in teaching my perspective. And so I think um, it just kind of changed over time. I know it's like a super long-winded answer, but um, I'm just now returning back to myself, like in, at, towards the later part of my career. Mind, body, solar, or choreography specifically? Well, choreography is super new for me. Um, like it's kind of ironic because when I think back, like in high school, I was helping choreograph the cheerleader, cheerleaders routines and like we would do the little, um, why was I going to say halftime shows? That's not what they're called. What are they called? The pep route, like the rallies. Yeah. No, like, and it was funny because I didn't even put two and two together until probably a couple months ago. I was like, that's crazy. I have memories of being in middle school before I was even a dancer. I remember we had to do these talent shows and we were the Spice Girls. And I used to like, I had no friends after that talent show because I used to make them come in at lunch and force them to. <laughs> and I made everybody buy matching Adidas pants 
um, so that we could all be a different Spice Girl. And <laughs> like just random memories that you have of when you kind of asserted yourself in this role without even knowing that that's what you wanted to do. Whereas now, um, I think in the past maybe two years, I started stepping into that light of assistant choreography or choreography. And I'm still in a very beginning journey there in terms of major artists outside of just producing my own work at UCLA. And, um, and it's, it's kind of surreal because it, uh, it's scary. It's all on you if it fails, um, but it's also all on you if it succeeds. So, you know, it's like you have to take chances on yourself and your authenticity. And so that mind, body, soul feeling um, is very new now that I'm in this in-between of being still a dancer and working my way into choreographic spaces, you know amazing I want to go back to your UCLA years and talk about when you got scouted as a sophomore and what that was like and what was your first introduction into being a professional dancer in Los Angeles because it's a very unique it's much more unique than I think someone who's like I want to be a dancer and then they move to LA and then you know and then Mm -hmm. they have to kind of start from the ground up you had this amazing opportunity at UCLA Tell me, tell us about when you got scouted, how you got scouted and what that initial process was like. Mm. So um, my freshman year, I think it was my freshman year, um, I had done a random job with no agent. And at that time, I didn't really understand how agenting even really worked, Um, especially because I was so focused on joining a company after having been at my, my first year, done my first year at UCLA that I felt like, okay, well, yeah, there's this professional thing happening over here, but I think I want to join, you know, a, there was a, um, a teacher by the name of Maria Gillespie who was at UCLA. And at that time, I just was so enamored with her that I wasn't really paying attention. So I booked my first professional gig and someone had offered to represent me and um, it's actually clear talent. And um, I said no, because I didn't, probably just because I was ignorant to how things worked and I was intimidated and I wasn't even sure if it was something I wanted to do. And then I think my sophomore year, um, other people were booking and I was like, you know, maybe this is something you should try. And so I remember uh, there wasn't like a yellow pages, but there was like a list, so to speak, um, of random, of all the dance agencies. And I just picked one and um, I had picked um I had picked trio talent agency and I just randomly went to the audition and and got in and so um without knowing necessarily who I should sign with or you know who has more access to certain choreographers I just sort of picked one and wound up at trio and it you know I have to give trio credit because they they took a chance on me and they gave me opportunities that I didn't have access to, but it was a smaller agency um, with a little bit less access than others. And so I wound up leaving Trio and going to a block talent agency a few years after when I had been booking enough jobs uh, to where they finally were like, if you don't sign, we can't keep sending you out. And I felt so bad because I felt like I needed to stay loyal to Trio at the time and wound up switching over and then I've stayed at block ever since and um and it was just interesting because it if I, I think back on it now if I had picked another agency 
I'm actually glad I didn't start at one of like the really big ones only because I had enough space to mess up a lot and to sort of figure out who I was, what I wanted to look like. Cause you know, you go through all the haircuts in the book and, and dye your hair all sorts of crazy colors. <laughs> I looked nuts. I was auditioning and looking crazy in auditions. And it would have been a shame to do that under um, a really big agency that would have then sort of shelved me and put me in this box of not being ready. And then, you know, a lot of times people stay attached to however they meet you. And so block meeting me um, the way that they did, where I was brought in through Fatima on a job, Fatima Robinson, who's a huge choreographer. They kind of looked at me like, well, how does she, why does she even want me? That, that was their first question. Like, how do you even have a relationship with this person? How do you, cult how did you cultivate this? Just because I'm sure they've pushed, had at the time, pushed so many other people forward and it wasn't necessarily gelling. Here's this random girl that just comes in and is being forced to sign. It's not like they asked to sign me. She was like, you have to sign if I'm going to keep working with you. And um, yeah, and that's kind of how I wound up joining Block and, and staying with them. So it was pretty, pretty cool. How long were you at Trio before you moved to Block? I think I signed with Trio in 2004 and I left in 2009. Wow, so, so you, were, you were there for quite a while. Yeah, I was there for a while and there was like a good two years where I like didn't work at all. Like, and th that's the thing, you know, you're in college at the same time and you're sort of straddled with this decision of do I drop out? Because I had booked a tour and I was touring um, with uh, this artist, Tyra B. And we were, you know, I was, I had managed to stack my classes so that they were Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then I had Friday through Monday off. And a lot of times the show's would require me to fly out Thursday night or Friday morning and I would be back in time for class. But I was like, that was, it was a rough time just because, you know, the industry doesn't necessarily understand homework, college material, needing to go to class. They're like, you're booking a job with a major artist. Like, this is what you're going to school for. So what's the, you know, what's the debate here? And I decided, you know what, after that tour, I was like, I'm gonna finish school. I'm gonna finish school. I'm going to give it all of my attention and then I'll return back to it because I feel like the industry is not going to go anywhere. And when I came back to it, I heavily regretted that decision um, just because I felt like all my peers that had sort of started out with me had now catapulted to crazy, crazy places. The dance industry had expanded to a whole nother level. I felt like I hadn't trained my body the same way. So I felt like I was catching up and trying to get better as a dancer and work. Um, whereas now I don't regret it. Now I think it was the right thing to do just because as a human, it just made me a little more well-rounded and it left me space to still be a kid. I mean, you're not a kid technically in college, but in contrast to being 34 now, I was a kid, you know, between 18 and 21, just trying to figure out who I was and how to take care of myself and how to function as an adult independent of my family and, um, responsibility and you know all the things that come second nature to you in college that you don't even think about because you're so busy trying to be in class and get your degree you know so um yeah that was that was that time it was really interesting did you have a backup plan or did you know when you went to college you're going to really lean into being a dancer and that was the goal 
or did you go in with an open mind? I think I went in with an open mind. Um, my backup plan was just the fact that I had a degree. <laughs> For some people, you know, they come from families where a degree is like laundry. It's like something you just do and it's quick and then you might go to grad school and you get your PhD or you become a doctor or a lawyer. And my family, ha- you know, for sure, I don't want to make it sound like I come from a family that um, where no one has any higher education or, you know, we have, doc- we have doctors and lawyers in our family for sure, but we also have a lot of people who chose not to go to college and pursued a career outside of that. And um, I think there's just a lot of room and flexibility. And so that flexibility translated in my mind is like, let's just see. You know, let's see where this goes. You've already gotten really far by getting into UCLA and being able to graduate. And, you know, I think I was under the assumption just because in high school, they scare the crap out of you and make you feel like you're going to fail the minute you get to college. And then you get there and you're functioning. and You're like, oh, I'm okay. Like, I also wasn't an engineer major. So no offense to myself, but like, I wasn't going to crash and burn. (laughs) Like, you know, the way that I hear about people were like in, Ochem or like these crazy super hard east what is it uh what was the, that part of campus called um, south not south campus um, um what was it called what was there it was, called there was, was it a south term, campus was it that, north campus and south campus north campus is a term where it was like the place we don't go and the only time you went there was when you had to take that one GE I think for me I tried to cheat my way out there was like a list um on Bruin Walk, they would pass out that list of like the easier science GEs because I didn't take any AP science. So I had to take science and I am, science is the, I'm really good at math. I'm really good at writing, good at language. I'm good at a lot of things. I am so bad at science. I don't know what it is. It's something about the combination of the only science I was good at was physics. And that's because physics is basically math. Math. So it was like, and I was really good at physics and I was not about to take physics at UCLA. So I think I signed up for like earthquakes because I thought I thought this would be dope to understand tectonic plates and you know just I don't know in my mind I thought why not make science useful like I felt like I could participate in some conversation and feel like I know something about like like the word seismic comes to mind (laughs) like random and then I remember we had to take these labs where you would go in and they had the computers and it would show you all the earthquakes in the world and I thought that was so cool failed that class failed hard tried to switch to a pass no pass in time to like scoot by and I think I I might have gotten a c minus and it was a pass which is great so it didn't affect my g I mean I'll just be completely honest you know so it didn't affect my gpa and then I think the other one was dinosaurs and their friends which is a real class at UCLA by the way I was literally gonna ask you if you took dinosaurs I took dinosaurs and their friends and I thought that was for sure a hit I was like oh that's going to be so easy. And um, that also was very, very difficult because the words were like this long. It was like, you think, you know, pterodactyl, Tyrannosaurus rex. No, it's like, like it was these long terms. I could not, my brain was just not with it. I was not with the ships at all. And so, you know, but all that to say, to answer your question, um, I think dance was definitely uh, let's just see what happens. And I had a lot of faith in myself um, in terms of discovering a plan B just because I thought, well, I could be a dance theorist. Technically, I could 
do that thing that we all do where we just jump into grad school and we don't know what the hell to do and hope for the best there. Um, I felt like I could potentially be a teacher just because uh, that was a term that was floating around the department a lot. Everybody just decided to be to go into education, which would have definitely been um, something I would have regretted later. You know, I wasn't ready for that. So yeah, it just was a let's just see what happens kind of kind of vibe. And it, I guess it worked out, which is great. But you know, then the part that people don't want to talk about is like I graduated and then I had to work at a restaurant for six years while I was still auditioning and figuring out who I was and trying to get to a certain place. And I remember the day that I quit was the scariest day of my life because I had created this world where I would only work four hours a day, make a quick little $200, be good, and then still be able to audition and take class and train. And then you don't get that quick, you know, tip money to feel like you're okay. And um, yeah, and then I quit and I haven't done anything since and it's been great. But yeah, I had a degree working at a restaurant. I'm sure my parents were probably like, what the hell is she doing? But they never really tripped. They never really said anything because I wasn't asking for anything. So they were like, well, she's figuring it out on her own. She's just on her journey. On the journey, you know. So, so what was, at what point did you get to when you were working at a restaurant to say, I need to leave this? What was the tipping point? Well, the, I need to leave this thought. And I'm pretty sure I speak for all people who work at restaurants comes way before you actually leave. It comes at the moment you've been like disrespected for the 30 billionth time. And you're like, that's crazy because I'm just here to literally propel my dreams not because I actually need this in the way that you as a customer think I need it, you know, because customers can be tricky. They give you energy, like you're slow or you are uneducated or you come from wherever they think you come from. People talk to you crazy. And I, so I think the tipping point for me, um, there was one time I had booked uh, Ellen and I was dancing for Flow Rider at the time. This was like 2012, 13, somewhere in there. And <clears throat> I had to rush Ellen tapes early in the day, it tapes at like three or four o'clock. And it also tapes um, in the valley. And so I was working not far from there um, off Ventura at this place called Chin Chin. Shout out to Chin Chin. Um, and I had to rush to my shift after work. And when I got to my shift, lo and behold, there was me dancing on Ellen on the little like flat screen in the corner. And I just remember I was, we had to make kids chopsticks as like one of our things to do in our pastime when it was slow. So I'm like making kids chopsticks and I'm watching myself and I'm like smiling ear to ear just because I felt very satisfied, accomplished, you know, all the things that you feel. And a customer came in asking for their order and they were super um, I don't want to say condescending. Maybe they're just having a bad day. I don't know. But either way, like, you know, I was paying attention. I was wrapping up the order, but I was also watching myself. It's only like a two minute segment. And they were like, hey, can you hurry it up? And to try to be human and to try to explain, I was like, yes, I definitely can. But look, it's me. I was like, I just take this. So I'm just having a surreal moment watching myself on TV while I'm also giving you chopsticks. And I kind of laughed. And it was this moment that I would assume someone else would be like, oh, cool. And then, you know, obviously it's done. Here's your bag. You go and be on your way. And it was like the, I don't remember specifically what 
they said, so I don't want to manufacture the story, but it was something along the lines of, can you like, can you hurry up? And I just remember thinking at that moment, um, I really want to quit like right now, but I know if I quit right now, I won't be able to get to the place where I don't ever have to come back here again. So I just thought, okay. Um, I remember handing the bag. I like finished watching and I just like tried to savor it for myself. And then I got real quiet for like the rest of the shift. And I think something just switched in my mind of like, you can't do this forever. Like you just like you have six months or I gave myself some kind of timeline. And I think I was out of there within nine months after that. And then I had a relapse where I was booking, 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 booking. And then I had like this little lull. And instead of just maintaining my faith in myself and understanding that things have changed and it's okay to have ups and downs, I went and to work at Wakano, which is like affirming. And I was like, I just was like, I need to, I need some kind of security. I'm just going to come back and do what I know. And then, you know, the universe works in great ways. It's like, once it had made its decision up that it's mind up that like, I'm, I'm now going to be in a space where I can do this on my own without having any extra help. It took the job away from me in a second. I think I booked a bad boy um, tour reunion tour, like within two months of being there. So I think I was only at Wakino for like four months, which was great too. Cause that was, they were all the people working there were super sweet, but the customers were like actually bad shit crazy. Sorry, I shouldn't curse on here, but um, no, you can absolutely curse on oh, here. Okay, I've been trying just so everybody knows I'm such a potty mouth. I have been trying really hard this whole podcast not to curse, so I'm just giving myself a little pat on the back because. But all that major say, round, major round of applause. But we we are um, curse friendly here. Okay, got you. <laughs> um, yeah, but then I went on booking the tour, and then literally since that day, that was uh, 2015. I have not um, had any any help from the restaurant industry since, which has been so great because, and I, to the point where like, I feel like when I go out to eat, well, not so much now, but there was like a good two years where I didn't enjoy going out to eat anymore just because I felt bad, just so silly because you're helping people. So it shouldn't feel that way. But at the time I felt so guilty forcing people to wait on me after having been someone who waited on other people I just didn't enjoy it I couldn't relax I felt like I had to say thank you like 20 billion times my mom and Josh would always get super annoyed like you don't have to say thank you that many times other people would get something I'd be like thank you so much thank you (laughs) I can say thank you for myself thanks you know (laughs) so it was like this weird you know in between time but um yeah I'm I'm very grateful for that that time because it humbled me and it taught me um how much I really wanted it. Uh, I had to learn how to um, serve other choreographers that would come into the restaurant. I remember serving hi-hat, I served Fatima, I served Marty, and we've all laughed about it since, but um, yeah, it was definitely some humbling. I served Diddy, so random. Went to dance for him a year later, but he came in to the restaurant uh, super late and we were about to close. It was like 15 people and he just like ordered 20 things off every off the menu and um, tipped great was awesome. But it was just, you know, just like very humbling, 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 you know, so. With, for the people that you served, did they remember you when you went to dance for them later? 
Diddy didn't because I think that's just him. Um, I think I said something to Marty. Fatima for sure did because at the time I had already been working with her and she, as she came in, she gave me a little pat on the butt. I was talking to a table this way. I just felt somebody palm my ass and I, <laughs> and I turned and she gave me a little wave, <laughs> like mortified, like, oh God. But you know, I'm sure to her, she didn't look down on me. That was just my own insecurities of feeling like, oh no, I didn't want her to see me in this place. Um, I mean, that's the hustle. That's what everyone has to do. I mean, I mean, I don't often talk about how many nannying jobs and babysitting jobs and assistant jobs and other, you know, jobs that I had while doing jewelry and while having another full-time in event production. Like you just have to do what you have to do. You do, you do. And, and it's crazy too, because even before I was serving, I remember like fresh out of college, there was a guy, um, I'll leave his name out of this. I actually am not a big fan of this man. I'm going to try to like keep it short, but he used to, I was the parking attendant at UCLA. I was a little parking girl with a little pouch before they made the machines, like the pay by space machines. We had actual parking people. And I was like the cute girl in parking. So it was kind of cool. Cause you know, you'd see all the cute, like random folks come and you kind of like wait for somebody to ask for your number or whatever. It was a nice little hookup for anybody. <laughs> little plug if you want to date in college. But all that to say that there was this guy who was Cameroonian, which is dope. Cause I spoke French. Obviously he spoke French and uh, he was like, yeah, if you need a job, when you graduate, you can come work for my tech company, which wound up being a disaster. But it was dope at the time because he had this uh, this startup company, um, this mobile startup company. This was like before apps were a really big thing and they were making an app. I don't even remember what the app was for, but um, I had I went and worked there. I had my little desk and computer and stuff. But, you know, it was tricky because then I'd have an audition and I would try to make my auditions my lunch break. And, you know, obviously sometimes, you know, auditions are longer than an hour, especially for dancers. You could be there for a long time. So I had to get really creative uh, in terms of like trying to say why I was gone for long periods of time and blah, 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 blah. And then after a while, it just wasn't working. And I think eventually I got fired and um, he was crazy. So I printed out, because I was the person who printed out people's paychecks. I printed out my last paycheck before I left because I knew this man was not going to give me my last paycheck because he did that to everyone else. I think he tried to sue me and it didn't work because I threatened him with like a sexual harassment case, not from me, but from someone else. And then he left me alone. It's like, whatever. But you just fall into some like very random um spaces with people that you hope to never see again and then you get to this place now where like 10 15 years later you know you forget that those things even happen until like a podcast interview like this and you're like wow I really did do a lot of random things to get to this place you know that you would never even really remember or think about you know the truth what was the was there one particular gig that you got where you thought I've made it and not to say that that the hustle isn't always there and that we ever really make it right. Like we're always mm-hmm. constantly trying to, trying to strive for the next thing. And we, our goals will, our goalposts are forever moving, but was there one particular project that you worked on where you're like, Oh, I've arrived. I think when I booked Chris's first tour, I booked uh, Chris Brown's one hell of a night tour in 2015 and I had been wishing for a tour. And that's the thing uh, in the dance industry, you can book a lot of things. You can book commercials, you can book music videos, award shows, you can even book spot dates, but getting a tour sometimes can be difficult. 
um, it's like a right place, right time kind of thing. And a lot of artists, some artists don't like to tour too. So you could be working with an artist consistently and they might not want to consecutively leave for a long period of time. And I really, really, really wanted to book a tour and I booked Chris and I, um, I remember getting off the phone and just laughing. I was like hysterically laughing. It wasn't like laughing, like, uh, I want to go tell the whole world. I was like sitting down on my bed and I was just, I was hysterically laughing. I think I was laughing because it felt very much so like, okay, I think now I don't have to worry anymore. And it doesn't actually mean you don't have to worry, but it, it felt that way in that moment. Um, and it was, uh, yeah, it was a great, it was a great, great feeling. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious about decorum and conduct and maintaining one's reputation in the dancer world industry. What would your advice be to someone who maybe is starting out or how you've built your reputation? How would you advise one carries themselves or like maybe the do's and don'ts? Ooh, um, that's a tricky question because no two ways, um, how do I say this? Sorry, this is stumping me in a good way. Um, I would say if I had to give concrete advice, I would say to lean into yourself, which sounds so cliche, but to lean into yourself as much as possible to be the best version of yourself, especially now in a generation where they value individuality so much. I might not have given that same advice 10 years ago, but I would give that advice now and to get really hyper-specific about what type of career you want. So if it's one where you wanna dance for a lot of different people, then you're going to have to train your body in a lot of different styles. If it's one where you have one specific artist in mind that you wanna train for or dance for, then you wanna look up who are the major choreographers? Do they offer classes? Can you train in their styles? Can you apprentice in some kind of way? Um, and as far as conduct goes, um, I'm not a very good, uh, what's the word? I don't want to say ass kisser, but that's like floating in my mind in a sense that like some people are really, really good at the small talk and being able to um, come off sincere when they're not necessarily sincere, when they're trying to appease someone or um, cater to someone's ego and make them feel like they are up under them and and willing to do whatever it takes for an opportunity that just was not my personality I was never rude and I was always super gracious but I felt like people can smell that from a mile away I just had really convinced myself that I didn't want to come off insincere to anyone and put myself in a place where now they're like oh she's just being nice because she wants this job so I probably cheated myself out of a lot of things in the beginning because I just would sit in the back and kind of wait until I felt like there was an honest moment to seize. You know, if we did really have something in common in a conversation, then we'd be like, oh, you like this? Oh, I like this too. And then it felt real, which probably worked in my favor in the long run, but it definitely took me more time in the short run to get certain places. Um, be yourself, be kind. Uh, work your ass off because I'd rather be a quiet person in the room who's really really good than a really talkative person in the room who's like so-so um, and then I would say be on time be early really which is being on time 
um, be prepared, have everything that you need in your bag, have knee pads, have um, all the things you need to roll your body out and warm up, like have all, have your dance heels, like be extra prepared so that you look like a business. Cause there's nothing worse than people feeling like they go the extra mile to fight for whatever it is that they need for you to have on the job, whether that's rates or, um, you know, certain appropriate rehearsal times. And then you get there and you're unprofessional, you know, I think your conduct should depend more on your, um, etiquette than it should on your ability to schmooze, if that makes sense. Exactly. I love that. You strike me as a very spiritual, definitely a grounded person, but you strike me as a very spiritual person. Do you have a spiritual practice? Um, if you can call uh, praying to crystals a spiritual practice. I, Hondo P. Hondo P. I am a crystal lady down. Um, I would say I'm spiritual in a sense that I do believe in God and a higher power, but I also have a very unconventional way of thinking about God in a sense that I refer to God a lot of times as the universe, the power of the universe. Um, I think, um, big believer in just standard karma and doing onto others, how you'd like to be done yourself, you know? Um, and I believe in the power of community. Um, I think it's important to do your best to try to spread information, um, spread kindness. So in that sense, yeah, that would probably be like my lens on spirituality but I don't attend any kind of like organized religious uh space I've thought about recently going to an ashram I randomly uh, like super random but I did a tarot reading for myself at the top of the year I was by myself for new year's this year um for a lot of reasons Josh was uh my fiance was in Vegas doing the Usher residency it's we call it the Omarion variant, uh, Omicron, <laughs> out, <laughs> and everybody was getting real sick, and so it was, like, me, the pup, and the cat, and when I woke up, I went on this, like, really nice walk with Kobe, my dog, and when I came back in, it was, it was eerily quiet. I live off Melrose, so it's, it's quiet, but, like, you can still hear a lot of life outside, and it was super quiet. It was, like, seven in the morning, and I was like, I'm going to pull a, a, a deck for myself. So I did a deck and it said uh, for my, I, I did it as past, present and future. And for my future, you know, I like really tried to manifest some like crazy answers. And I pulled something that basically told me that I needed to create an altar of some sort, sort in my home, which is interesting because I have a semi altar on my dresser but it's really just like my tarot deck my goddess cards I have like a bunch of palo santo and like um some sage and like candles and then I have my crystals in this bowl that I like put in a place where like the so crazy I sound like a crazy lady but the moonlight can recharge it from the window that's not crazy at all I do the same thing okay okay some people look at me and they're like "Ooh, child this lady is crazy nope um but all that to say that I was like, all right, I need to make an altar. And so I've been looking at my space, trying to find where I can like create a little nook that the cat and the dog won't eat, um, where I can like <laughs> escape. Um, so, cause yeah, so far now I, all I have is like the one in my bedroom and then I do these walks in the morning with Kobe and where I have the, when I turn the corner and I head back towards the house, 
I call that my gratitude walk right there. So I'm like, always try to think of five things I'm grateful between the time I turn that corner and get to the front door so that I feel like I'm trying to put myself in a headspace of staying grateful. So yeah, that's kind of um, my beautiful. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I've had that since my last dog, Nala, rest in peace. She passed away in 2017, but I used to do the same thing. I had like this block that I would take her on every morning. And when I got to this one wall, it was an alley and it had like um, ivy vines that were growing up the wall. And on the other side was a Ralph's. So it wasn't like any crazy, beautiful space. But for some reason, looking at the way that the vines would go over the wall, it always made me feel very in my feels and so I would call that my little gratitude pass and I'm trying to think of like all the things I was grateful for you know because as an artist I'm not gonna lie you know for people out there who probably think it's this like very glamorous life or whatever I mean it's like anything it has ups and downs but it can get very uh alienating and lonely and it can also make you super insecure and I'm not talking about in terms of just like the physical body and flesh and just in terms of like inconsistent income and um you know it's a very ageist uh world as well so when you get older you're like this is my last time am I should I be seeking this you know and then of course over the pandemic everybody thought they were like you know a trader so then now it's like the pressure of the money and investing and joining this pyramid scheme and blah 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 you know it's just a lot that gets in your brain and in the morning it's like your perfect time to just sort of like declutter and try to figure out who you are again and simple things to help ground you and make you feel like you're not crazy and you're still on the right track and all that stuff you know so how do you stay relevant in the industry Ooh, um sell your body no I'm just kidding <laughs> Sort of, actually. (laughs) I bought it in a weird way. Um, How do I stay relevant? I would say, I mean, social media plays a big part. Um, You pick how you want to market yourself. I have my own little formula, which is like 10% personal, 90% what I'm doing in career and life. Um, Sorry, that's Kobe barking at the man with the leaf blower. but I would say uh, just putting yourself in a lot of different spaces, finding a way to look honest in the process of also sharing what you're working on on social media. Um, I am not on Snapchat. I'm not on Twitter because I boycott Twitter. And I have like a very small presence on TikTok. So Instagram has sort of become my like main thing. Um, for social media but yeah that would probably be it and then also not being afraid to like take new classes with younger people and influencers not being afraid to try to work jobs with younger crowds and by younger I don't necessarily mean necessarily just age I mean just people who are new and fresh to the industry because a lot of times when you make it to a certain space you pretty much work with the same people over and over again and you're cool with that but I think it's really cool to rediscover what's growing, what's changing, what's um, new, and also what has the potential potential to become what you're, the world you're in now in like 10 years, which you obviously won't necessarily be a part of. So, you know, I think, yeah, just uh, taking chances and then marketing yourself in, a, in an honest way on social media is probably the best path to relevancy now. 
I love it. Well, friends, we are with the one and only one and only Lindsay Ducos, choreographer and dancer out of Los Angeles. Lindsay, where can our listeners find you? You can find me. Um, I was going to say you can find me up in one cheese. <laughs> you can find me um, on Instagram. My Instagram is at LJ Ducos, D-U-C-O-S. Um, I also have an art page, LJ Ducos Art, which is pretty cool. Um, you can find me on my dog's Instagram, uh, Kobe the Shep Husky. Um, and yeah, I, I believe you can also find me um, on the Block website in LA as well. But those are my, that's my main platform is Instagram. So. I love it. And how can we support you? You can support me by praying for me daily. Um, <laughs> praying for my spirits. <laughs> no, you can support me um, by following me on social media, promoting my classes. If I happen to post them, um, you can purchase some art. It's great. Is that one of your pieces in the back? Yes, it's one of my pieces in the back. Now, mind you, this is, um, I saw this painting. Um, this was me in the beginning of the pandemic. We needed art in our old spot. And um, I hadn't painted in a super long time. And I hadn't done any originals in a long time. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do an original. I'm going to find something that I really love and kind of do my own version of it. So this is technically someone else's design with a Lindsay twist on it. But I painted it and drew it myself. Um, and I, this was my my prep to like okay I think I'm gonna start making my art again and then I wound up actually painting my own and like selling huge canvases and stuff over the pandemic so you can purchase some art and um yeah just I think word of mouth is always great you know conversation about artists and things so that would be great well, you're so cool and so impressive. And I'm so honored to know you and to call you a friend and to have supported you from a distance on your beautiful journey. And just thank you for all of the light that you put into the world and all the beauty that you put into the world. You're so sweet. I appreciate you having me. I'm so glad we got to reconnect. It's been a long time, but it's cool to see you in this light. I was saying that before you hopped on, I was just like, this girl has a lot of hidden talents that I didn't know about. And so I just think it's dope that so many years later, we're able to come back together and just like in our adult world, even though I know we both probably feel like we're still 20. Um, the older I get, the younger I feel, honestly, like every year, every day, every day that passes and every year that goes on, I'm like, I have even more time to do everything. Exactly. And, and less idea of who I am, but also more idea of who I am at the same time. It's like these very, it's very interesting paradigm right there. But yes. I feel like it's like more clarity of the soul because the, the soul is the constant, right? Yeah. But as far as like adventure of what you're going to do in the world, that is, I think what keeps you young. That's what keeps me young. Yep. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So I'm glad that we got to share this space. Thank you for so much for having me. It's actually felt very easy. I was nervous. I was like, oh, I hope I don't say the wrong things. This is great. This is awesome. I feel like talking to a friend. So I appreciate it. I love you. it. Well, you're such an inspiration and I'm so grateful to have you and just thank you so much. I know our listeners are going to love listening to your story. Thanks, friend. I appreciate it. You're so welcome. Well, you guys, that was just so, so good. A huge thank you to Lindsay for coming on the show. Another thank you to our hosts at Dash Radio and our producers at Island City Media. If you liked this episode, you can listen to it again and again on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Please leave a review so we can continue bringing you the people and the conversations that you love. 
Lastly, if you want to connect with me offline, you can find me at MarenCostello.com and MarenCostello Radio on Instagram. Have a beautiful everyday, have a beautiful day, everybody, and we will see you next week.